Okay, so we're going to continue on looking at our baptism. Our first talk was on um, the royal aspect, the looking at ourselves and being able to take ourselves and bring ourselves back into um, right relationship with my very self, being able to reign over myself. Okay, that's the kingly function of our baptism. And our baptism is an ongoing event. The Holy Spirit was given to us and we continue maturing and growing through our relationship with God. But we look again to Jesus, who is the one who is the only begotten son, on how it should look for us who were adopted into the family. How is it that we act? We look to the one who was naturally or begotten by God. We, in turn, are adopted, so we need to learn to look to Jesus. So again, we're going to look at his public mission. Going forth from the wilderness, once he proved able to overcome those temptations, began what we call his public ministry. In another sense, we can call it his prophetic ministry. Okay, Priest, prophet, and king. This talk is about our prophetic character. I am a person and I have a prophetic aspect or a different way of saying it is I was created for a mission. I was created for a purpose, not only to be with him in life eternal, but I have a purpose. I have a very specific mission to accomplish, and God has given me gifts to be able to accomplish that mission. Looking at this thing that we call grace, there are many different types of graces, and I'll try and talk, first of all, about the theological way we talk about these things before I get to the practical on, okay, what does this have to do with me, right? So this prophetic part or aspect of our baptismal character that was given to us at our baptism, the Holy Spirit was given to us and I am a co-sharer in Christ's mission. Jesus had a mission, and I have a sub-mission. My mission is part of Christ's overall mission, helping to reconcile people back to the Father, being in right relationship with our Father. And it's the Holy Spirit that is given to us as the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus at the baptism and drove him into the wilderness to be tested. The Holy Spirit continues to go throughout Jesus' mission. The Holy Spirit works. And those works are theologically called charisms. Has anyone ever heard of a charism? Okay. The Greek word is charismata. 
Okay. And charisms are what we would catalog as a type of grace. There's different types of grace. Sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is more about dealing with our own personal sanctification, the reception of sacraments, and our work in our priestly function. And we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Okay? The kingly function that we spoke about this morning, our kingly function is first and foremost to bring about control or reigning ourselves in so that we have freedom to accomplish our mission. And the graces that are tied in that area are the gifts of the Holy Spirit because those graces, the gift of understanding, the gift of knowledge of wisdom the gift of courage those are gifts to help me okay they're not the same as sanctifying graces they're graces to help me to grow in virtue and they're graces to help me grow in my ability to have freedom for mission okay actual graces are also important in that area but today's talk, we're talking about charisms or charismata, and it is a grace that's given to me that is not for me. It's a grace that is given to me for the upbuilding of others. And this in the church is one of the 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 areas of theology that is still underdeveloped. Okay? Sacramental theology, if you've ever heard of anything like that, or the study of the sacraments, pretty much came to its height and its conclusion in the Middle Ages with the scholastics. Thomas Aquinas, St. Bonaventure, the doctors of the church at the beginning of the universities. Okay? And... Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that also came to its fullness and it's continued to be passed on, but there's not a lot of growth in it because it's come to, we understand that fully. The prophetic area of our life is still an under and it's still a developing area of theology. This area of charisms, of understanding that individuals have missions and they're given graces to accomplish the very mission. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying grace, are general and they're for everyone. Charisms are much more broad in their spectrum because they are individual and they're given to individuals for the way that you are supposed to bring your mission into the world. And it's going to be a continuing. It's never going to be stopped because each individual has a specific mission that is different from every other individual. So there are some general things, some general understandings, and that's what I'm going to be speaking about here but they're also going to have to take into account you. Because they're given to you for your mission, and that's going to look different than everyone else's mission. 
okay? So a charism is, or charismata is a grace that is freely given to you, but it is not for you. You cannot earn charisms. And one of the, one of the difficulties for us, at least in the Western church, is we like to categorize things. And I'm going to categorize things so that we can look at it. But we're talking about a divine person and the divine person in us, given to us at our baptism, and how the manifestations of that come out of us. And that can't be categorized, but I'm still going to categorize it, right? Because it's more unlike than it is like, but at least we can start with it's more unlike as we're growing in this. Okay, so um, Paul talks to us a little bit about charisms in um, his letter to Corinthians, in his letter to the Romans, in Acts of the Apostles. We see it all in the life of Jesus. Jesus has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to start looking at what does it look like in his disciples? Because they're a little bit more like us, and they learned from him. Okay? So when Paul's talking about charisms, he says that each one has God has allotted special gifts to each one of them as he wills, so that each and all, putting at the service of others the grace they have received as good stewards of God's very varied gifts, is for the building up of the whole body in charity." So these gifts are given to us, these gifts, and I'm going to list them out. I'm just going to give you a list of all the charisms that are listed in, um, in the New Testament, um, just so you have a, a wide spectrum of what is it that are some general charisms, okay? And charisms can be split into ordinary and extraordinary charisms, okay? So this is all still the theological talking, right? These are some of the charisms. There's 24 of them listed in the New Testament. Okay? Charisms, usually you would think of like, okay, maybe healing, maybe miracles. Okay, but I'm going to start list listing off some. And the first one I find quite extraordinary because it's so ordinary that no one thinks it's a charism. Administration. Administration is a charism. Okay, and I'm just going to start quickly going through all these. Don't, don't think about writing them all down. If you want them, I can give you a piece of paper later. Administration, celibacy, craftsmanship, discernment of spirits, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps, Hospitality, intercessory prayer, word of knowledge, leadership, mercy, a missionary, music, pastoring, prophecy, service, teaching, voluntary poverty, word of wisdom, writing, miracles, public tongues, interpretation of tongues. 
So part of the question, if we're talking about grace, what's the difference between grace and a natural talent? It's a good question, and I'll tell you the answer. We have brothers who are quite musically talented. I did my, this is the area of my specialty because this is where I did most of my studies. Uh, my master's thesis was on this area. So I did a lot of looking at individuals. I looked at a lot of different saints um, to understand how is it that we grow in our understanding of the mission that the Lord has given to me. So I'm going to look at the charism of music because it's an ordinary charism, but it looks like what's the difference between a charism and a natural talent? Okay, so the charism of music. One of the brothers definitely has this, and it continues to work in and through him, and he's a good singer, and he's a good guitar player. And when you were in seminary as friars in New York, we have this thing called the Catholic Underground. Catholic Underground is an event on every first Saturday of, we're in a big church down in Manhattan, and there's a time of prayer upstairs in the church, time of adoration, and it's it's a time of, it's an hour of lead music and meditation. And then after that, people go downstairs and there's some cultural event, whether it be uh, a musician, a Catholic musician coming in, or a new movie that's coming in that's a pre-release, or something cultural, and it's for young adults, usually young professionals. But Father Gabriel, at the point when he was doing this example, is Brother Gabriel, Brother Gabriel, he was the one who led the meditations and the music upstairs. Okay. So Brother Gabriel is a good guitar player. He plays piano. He plays the fiddle. He, he's got a lot of different musical abilities. And so in the seminary house, he would be downstairs in the basement in the music room practicing for the Catholic Underground, which happens on the Saturday. So he'd be choosing the songs and practicing and whatever he would be doing. That is natural talent. It's something that you work at. You've either got it or you don't got it, right? And he's working on that, and that's musical talent. That's natural, and it's practiced, and he's good at it. So he goes on the Saturday to the Catholic Underground, and he's playing there, um, with the others, the other musicians, and he's playing there, and he's leading everyone, and there's, I don't know, any single night, maybe 650, 670 people, okay? So he's there, and he's playing music, and he's using his natural talent. Okay, now, at the end of the evening, of those 670 people, Three people come up to him and they say, Brother Gabriel, when you said this word, the Lord spoke right to my heart and I needed to hear that word as you said it. And you sang it over and over and you were singing right to my heart. God spoke to my heart. Okay, so what does Brother Gabriel say? Ah, thank you. Right? I'll teach you a little bit about that because 
Once, once we start working in this area, we're going to have to learn how to integrate our prophetic function with our priestly function again. Okay? And we're going to talk about our priestly function tomorrow. We're supposed to be an integrated person. Okay? And that's, what I'm, that's why I'm using personal examples here. So, Father Gabriel says, oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay? You can say, oh, yeah, it's all him. It's, you know, no, it's partly you as well. And I receive your thanks. You're welcome. I am a child of God, and God works through me, and I've got a mission. And if someone recognizes my mission and God working through me, I say, you're welcome. I don't brush it off and with false humility, right? This, the next person comes up and they say, Brother Gabriel, you were singing and all of a sudden you said, we just need to stop here and be silent. And God told me to stop and be silent and listen to him. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, and the third person, whatever they said, you know. But it's these three persons that experienced a charism coming from Father, Brother Gabriel at that point. Those are the only ones that he knows because they came up and said something. But it's this experience. So there's the 600 and, what did I say, 67 people who were there, and it was good, and they appreciated Father Gabriel's natural talent. They were singing, they were praying, and it was good. But there were three people who drew something out of Father Gabriel. They recognized it and they got it. And they've gone away with it. They drew something out of that. Okay? That is where the charism is different from the natural talent. It's not Father Gabriel. I keep calling him Father Gabriel. He, wasn't a, he was a brother at that point, but now he's ordained. Um, it's that part where the Lord has continued to help him see that he is used as a channel of grace through his natural talent, but just because he's got natural talent doesn't mean that he, there's a charism there. Not everyone that is musically talented does God work through as a charism. You can have someone, there's a young guy, he's got Down syndrome, and he's learned to play the bagpipes. And he plays, but it's not very good. But the amount of being uplifted when you see him and his love that he pours into playing the bagpipes does something to you. And his musical talents are not that great. So it's charisms are not tied to the ability that you have naturally. But it can be. Okay? Let me give you another example. Charism of teaching. Charism of teaching is another ordinary charism. Has anyone ever heard of Maria Montessori? Okay. Maria Montessori was an Italian Catholic 
who begin to be able to develop an understanding of the human person, especially the child, and the pattern of them learning and growing and how to adjust a teaching pattern to where a child is as an individual. So she was able to do that, but she was also able to train others to understand the same thing and to become teachers in a Montessori kind of method, as they call it now. Or there's many Montessori schools. She had a charism of teaching not only children, but the ability to upbuild others in a way that they got it. And many of us have had teachers. Some teachers have a natural talent of teaching. Some teachers go in there and they just teach. But sometimes, and you may have encountered a teacher with a charism of teaching, that you got it. The light bulb went off, and, and when this person teaches, it happens. Okay, does that mean that they didn't put the effort into learning all this stuff? No, they have the natural talent, but there's something where God uses them as a channel of grace for growing in the understanding of, of the area of, of whatever they're teaching. So Maria Montessori had a charism of teaching and she had to pay attention that God was using this in her and she had to make herself available when people started asking her to help them teach those that they were teaching. So there's an availability and a need of freedom to begin to ask or ask oneself if I'm faithful to responding when people ask me to do this, this is going to start giving me a clue about what my charisms are. People will start to tell you or ask you to do things and listen. If someone says thank you for doing something, it really affected them you're welcome. Thank you, because you're helping me to understand more about what my own gifts are and how God is working in and through me. Another, I'm sure, I'm sure many of you have heard of Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica had a gift or charism of faith. Okay? This is interesting because faith is also a theological virtue, okay? Knowledge is a charism. Knowledge is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? The difference is where it's aimed at. If it's the gift of knowledge, for me, we call that a gift of the Holy Spirit. If it's a word of knowledge for others, that's how we call a charism because it's not for me, it's for the upbuilding of another. Mother Angelica had a charism of faith, okay? I don't know if you know the story. When she first started, she was a cloistered poor Clare nun, meaning she didn't go out of the cloister. 
and she felt called to start a television studio. She, she really, she knew that she had to do this, but she's cloistered, right? And part of the first things that she had to do was order satellite dishes. And they cost a little over $600,000. And she didn't have the money for it. But she felt that she should do it. And so she ordered them. In faith. And when they came to be delivered in Alabama, she still didn't have the money. So she said to the delivery man, let me go talk to someone real quick. So she was on the way to the chapel, and one of the sisters said, Mother, there's someone on the phone for you. Not right now. I've got to, I'm in, I'm in a serious situation. She goes, Mother, this, this, this guy is pretty, he's pretty insistent. Like, he's called several times, and he says he must talk to you. And he says it's about some money. She goes, okay, I'll go talk to him. <laughs> so she goes to the phone, and the man is calling from his yacht in the Gulf of Mexico. And he says, Mother, I want to thank you for writing this little pamphlet. I've just finished reading it, and it spoke right to my heart, and I want to contribute something to your work. She goes, how much are you talking about? 600 and whatever thousand dollars. It was the exact amount that she needed to pay right then for the satellite dishes. And she said, can you wire it immediately? A charism of faith is an extraordinary ability to trust in God's provision in a specific situation. And there's no natural way, there's no reasonable way that this should happen. But there's something of a grace there that is given to someone to make a decision in faith, a step of faith that is for the public good. We may all make steps of faith that are private and good for us. This is a charism. There are costs to your mission. I don't know if you know this about Mother Angelica. She also carried a bottle of Maalox in her pocket because she had ulcers. Because our body does not recognize faith. And it has an adverse reaction, and there's a cost. And she would have ulcers. But she still knew, and eventually, she, it would be even a sign to her that she would know to step out in faith because she could start to read the signs of how God would draw this out of her. But she'd have to deal with the consequences. There was a price that she had to pay to live a life of faith in the manner that God asked her to do, which was quite extraordinary 
for a cloistered nun. Maria Montessori had to give up a lot of her time because once people found out that she was like this, they would ask her for her time, and that's a cost. Brother Gabriel, the same kind of a thing. He has to practice, and when someone invites him for something to do with a musical thing, and they they ask him, seriously, please come, we need this, he learns to say yes and to choose. He'd rather be doing something else, but this is probably somewhere where the Lord is asking him to go. And with charisms, it's for others, but it's also an exhilaration for us in the meantime. God's grace working in and through us and being able to cooperate in his mission has a cost, but it's also refreshing. And charisms, when we're working in that area, stop us from burnout. So it's important for us to know what our mission is and to be asking for this. And this is part of that prophetic character of our very baptism. It's something that helps us to accomplish their gifts or graces that help us to accomplish the mission that we have. So you can see that being freed from our disordered affections and being in control of ourselves is quite integrated into our charisms or our mission, that we become free in a certain sense detached to be able to do good. So, moving more towards the priestly and integrating it there, if you recall, there's a certain sense of when we couldn't naturally bring a decision of our emotion to its natural end. We had to do this little sacrificial thing of offering it up. In our prophetic area, when we begin to recognize that someone has come and told us, thank you, grab a hold of that because this is very important for your priestly function, but I'm not going to tell you how yet. I'll tell you that tomorrow. So we've got offerings and sacrifices that we make, and we've got thanksgivings that we're beginning to recognize that the Lord is working in and through me. And the more I recognize that and the more grateful and returning that back to the Lord, the more trustworthy I am as a steward of his gifts and the more I will be given but it's important to be integral as a person and to have all of these things working together. So again, I'm going to reread 
some of those charisms, and most of these are ordinary. And I'll, I'll, I'll share with you a few extraordinary ones because you may come across someone who says, oh, well, John of the Cross, you know, a Carmelite, I'm a Franciscan, he says, don't long for charisms. He's talking about a specific thing, and I'll make that differentiation, okay? So administration, celibacy, craftsmanship, discernment of spirits, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercessory prayer, words of knowledge, leadership, mercy, missionaries, music, pastoring, prophecy, service, teaching, voluntary poverty, wisdom, writing, miracles, public tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Of these, there's a couple of them that are rare and what we would call extraordinary. Discernment of spirits is an extraordinary charism. Being able to know, you walk into a room and you know that there's an evil presence here and you can name it. Or you know where a person is receiving a temptation from. You know that there is a satanic influence and you know and can name it. That's, that's totally a gift to them. It's not something you can come up with naturally. It's an extraordinary charism that's given and few people have that. Some people though that do have that gift will probably have a mission that's closely tied maybe within their diocese or their archdiocese to the ministry of exorcism. So they're important things, and there's places for all gifts. Another one is miracles. Having miracles happen through you is extraordinary, and oftentimes you'll see a lot of the saints having these things. Francis, for instance, near the end of his life, he died at 46, near the end of his life, there were a lot more miracles present in his life. People would come to him and say, there's a, a story, Francis, my son fell in the fire and his leg is burnt up. Heal him. Like what would you do if, if someone came to you and expected a miracle of healing there? Like if I'm not a doctor, I don't have it, right? If I'm a doctor, maybe I can help. But I'm not a doctor, but somehow this person's coming to me and they're asking for it and they want it. And what would Francis do? Well, he learned near the end of his life that if people came to him asking for things, it's not him, but they will draw it out of him. And people were healed. But it's them coming and taking it out of the other, okay? But miracles is one of those, and healing is another one of those extraordinary ones. We've got a lot of extraordinary ones that we know of that are not scriptural. Those were just the scriptural ones. 
If you have the stigmata, that's an extraordinary charism. If you um, have a, a vision of a sword coming and piercing your heart, like St. Teresa of Avila, that's, that's an extraordinary charism. If you um, begin levitating, like Joseph of Cupertino, that's, that's an extraordinary charism. If you have an apparition of Our Lady, like St. Bernadette, or, um, oh my goodness, I just forgot the three seers in Fatima. Jacinto, Francisco, and Lucia. That's an extraordinary charism. It's not for them, none of these, or the levitation, or the miracles. It's not for them, it's for those that come to draw it out of them. That is what John of the Cross is talking about in don't desire the extraordinary charisms. Don't desire those. Do rather what the Lord has given you to do. And most of us, all of us have ordinary charisms. Some of us may have some extraordinary ones. Most of us don't even know who we are as children of God. And we're not even aware of this at all. But our Father desires and the world is longing for the full revelation of the children of God. And our culture right now is in need of the children of God to be fully who we are. So my sisters, as we're continuing on this time of 40 days, preparing to renew our covenant, our baptismal promises tomorrow, what is the Lord stirring in your own heart? Is he asking you or is he already given you and trying to ask you to take another step? What's the Lord doing? We're going to spend some time in adoration now. And in this evening, we're going to have a different um, encounter. I'll put it that way. Um, to prepare ourselves, even now, but this prophetic area is not something that is optional. It's integral to who God created you to be, and it was enhanced by gifts at your baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's he who will teach us Amen.